content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry. Bernadette Biaschetti and Jerry Caldwell broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry. Sounded like you had to think about my name there for a moment. No, I'm just mentally disturbed right now. Oh, I see. <laughs> just just I right am. now? Yeah, no, well, whenever I, uh, God, you don't even, oh, I'm, we're going to be talking about it. We have a fantastic show for you. And everyone that cares about animals and their plight in this world that we live in, I encourage you to listen to the whole show. And if you can't, you can always go back and listen to it on your favorite podcast app or at oneliferadio.com after the show. But this is a very important show. It is a critical show. There are a lot of animals suffering out there. And if you care about animals, you must be part of the change. All right. You ready to go? <laughs> I am. All right. Uh, at the half, we've got Monica Corrado. She's going to be talking about is the GAPS diet right for you? But first up, we have Mark Peralto, one of my favorite people on the planet. He is the chief program officer for Best Friends Animal Society, a leading national animal welfare organization dedicated to ending the killing and suffering, I might add, of cats and dogs in America's shelters. Uh, Mark is also uh, the founder and runs Vintage Pet Rescue with his wife, Kristen, uh, rescuing senior pets from shelters and assisting owners who can no longer care for their senior pets. You can find Mark Peralta at bestfriends.org or Vintage petrescue.org. Mark, Happy New Year. It's a pleasure to have you back on the air. Happy New Year. I'm so I'm so <laughs> glad to be back. It's been forever. I must oh, admit, I, I really like the name of that organization. They're not old pets. They're vintage. That's vintage. right. Aging That's right. like a fine cheese. <laughs> That's right. We've got enough ageism yeah, in this country. I'm how I want people to view me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, there's a, oh gosh, don't, we, we won't even go down that rabbit hole. I was just reading about ageism right before the show today, and I can't think of that. It's a PhD that wrote a book. His last name is McPherson. I can't remember his first name, but it's all about uh, aging and ageism and uh, how we age and why we age. And uh, there's a lot to know about it, but there's definitely ageism in our world that goes for uh, human beings and animals. You know that better than anybody, yeah. right, Mark? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And the yeah. old ones really kind of tug at my heart, so I, I love oh, them. Oh, me too. Me too, they do. I'm actually going to rescue one here right after the show. And I rescued one a couple of days ago. We're going to get into that uh, here as we uh, meander through this conversation in the next 30 minutes. But we're happy to have you back on One Life Radio, Mark. Uh, I hear that you just got back from a trip to South Africa. Can you tell us about it? So going into the, uh, as we get older, I, I want to make sure that I'm keeping the knife sharp, if you know what I mean. So oh, yeah. uh, I decided to do a executive MBA because I want to continue to see how we can evolve this this animal welfare field and, and I can just continue to get better. And part of that led me to working for a couple of uh, weeks in a township called Kailisha, uh, right outside of Cape Town in South Africa. And it was absolutely incredible. Wow. Kailisha. I like that name. It sounds like a woman's name. Is it named after a woman? <laughs> I don't curious. believe so. No, it's okay. not. And, it, and it's, a, it's a place with amazing people, a lot of great new entrepreneurs, but obviously a lot of poverty and a lot of issues. 
Oh, um, yeah, so yeah. it was nice to be able to get some perspective of what some people are really battling. And it, when you come home, you know, some of your problems don't seem like as mm-hmm. big of a problem, if you know what I mean. And it's that's yeah. Oh, very yeah. great. Yeah. Well, you know, you were on the show in May, so we have a lot to catch up on. Best Friends is saving more animals now than ever, but there's still so much work to do. What are the most recent numbers in regard to shelter pets and adoptions? And are the number of dogs uh, coming into shelters decreasing again? Hopefully the answer is yes. (laughs) I wish it was yes, but it's no. Um, Mm. Specifically dogs. Cats are kind of stabilizing. Um, they're a little bit higher, but yeah, there's more dogs coming into shelters. But again, the only thing that I'll say that is good news, Bernadette, is, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's been a while, but 2020 was crazy in reducing the amount of animals that were coming into shelters, mostly because a lot of shelters were closed. Mm-hmm. So even now, even though, yes, we've had more in 2022 than 2021, it's still far less than what we had in 2019. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, we're in a great place. Uh, you know, just 10 years ago, 5 million animals, uh, you know, three to 5 million animals were being killed in shelters. You're talking about, you know, less than 400,000 at this point. Um, so we're in a really good place. We want that to be zero. That's what our 2025 goal is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also really kind of at that area where we're trying to get to the shelters that for whatever reason still aren't kind of progressing. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're isolated, sometimes you know, for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. things are good, but, you know, shelters are, are still full, even in January. Um, yeah. A lot of shelters are still struggling with, with a lot of dogs in particular being brought in. Mm, it makes me so sad. But even before they get to that point, right, they suffer so much, so many of them. That is one of the reasons uh, that we want to shut down these puppy mills. And so, you know, uh, yeah. so I, I just had a puppy store called Puppy Dreams open down the street from me. Um, I live in Sunnyvale. It was in Garland, uh, right down the street. Uh, and it's, I thought uh, and so. I thought that selling cats and dogs was illegal in Texas. Um, So, you know, uh, and we're going to go down this little trail here because uh, I've got the puppy downstairs right now. Uh, He's amazing. But, you know, um, I have to tell you, excuse me, I'm burping. I I apologize. I ate a a bar before I came on the air. (laughs) Maybe shouldn't have done that. Um, But, uh, uh, (laughs) plus I'm upset. My stomach's upset. I'm, what Marie told me right before we went live, like five minutes before we went live is like deeply disturbing. Okay. So this puppy that, uh, I'll just go down, uh, some of the, some of the talking points here. Okay. So uh, Marie uh, initially saw them on the side of the road with a with huge sign, a couple like last week, puppies for sale. It was a sign. And while we were in there, uh, the price, wa- we were quoted $2,800. And then the next day, it was $1,000 for the same dog. Um, they, they, we, they said we moved them around when we, uh, we moved them around when we can't sell them. Um, and they also had about 50 puppies with one to four dogs in each glass enclosure. Uh, the puppies didn't have any food or water. Uh, they said that they feed them at 7 a.m. and at 4.30 to 5 uh, p.m., which I imagine that's when they water them, too. I don't think that's very cool. Uh, a growing puppy like that should have a proper hydration, of course, uh, just like a baby, and have access to water always. But then that makes the cage messy, which, uh, you know, increases their labor and all that, I, I, you know. But... The windows had no signage uh, as pricing or breeds, um, and the uh, cl- the enclosures only had crinkle paper paper for puppies to lay on. And we saw uh, puppies getting the paper stuck in their mouths and trying to eat it. But here's the worst part. Okay, so when we asked for, I bought the dog. It's downstairs. I paid a thousand dollars for it, and I have a wonderful home that is going to. I think Saturday tomorrow afternoon, a wonderful couple is going to adopt it. But uh, so when we asked for the breeders, the name, they said that it was an Amish. 
puppy mill owner. I'm super upset, just so everybody give me a little grace here. So then we went down the rabbit hole of almost every um, Amish community has puppy mills. Uh, Set a post from uh, Stop Online Puppy Mills. This was dated October 4th. Um, Some Amish communities focus on dog breeding while others have puppy mills and farms scattered within them. Sadly, dogs are considered livestock, a cash crop, and uh, just another source, source of lucrative income for the Amish. But here's the part that really bothers me. Really, really bothers me because um, uh, Marie asked me, has he barked yet? And, some, and somebody um, asked me that yesterday, too. And I didn't make the connection. But Marie said that the farmers and the Amish and the Mennonites, they pull the heads back and then they hammer sharp instruments down their throats to scar their vocal cords so they can't bark, he said. So that way they can have five or six hundred dogs in a barn and no one knows. Uh, and, and as we said, it's an industry of secrecy. This is a report from ABC News, recent story from ABC News. And I, I, I read that, and when she said that, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So after the show, when I take um, the little puppy, I haven't named him yet because I, I'm giving that privilege to the people that give him a beautiful, loving home. Um, I'm going to have Dr. Jimmy Norris do x-rays of his throat and see if we can tell whether or not that they have done that to him because he has not barked not one time. And, you know, I have nine other dogs, uh, Mark. And so certainly a little puppy and puppies bark, right? He hasn't made one sound. What do you- yeah, that's devastating. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately that happens. You know, I, I oversaw humane law enforcement in the state of Pennsylvania when I was working in an organization out in Philadelphia and we definitely saw that. We definitely saw that in Amish communities. And you see it a lot of times. And it's, I think lucrative is a little bit, you know, it's definitely about making money. But you see oh, yeah. it in a lot of communities that don't have a lot of revenue sources. And they turn to cruelty, like trying to turn breeding into a, a, a you know, commodity. And, and unfortunately, yeah. the animal suffer, as you're talking about. Well, they want to, you know, they, they don't have opportunity because they want to live in, a, in an isolated area and want to, you know, continue to live the way they live, which is fine. You can live however you right. want to live as long as you're not causing harm and doing stuff what I just read to animals. That is, I can't even believe that goes on in this country, quite truthfully. You know, I mean, I can't go, yeah. believe it goes on anywhere in the world, but especially in America, and we can't shut that, you know what, down. I mean, come on. What are we doing? I hope everybody out there listening is enraged by hearing this like I am right now. It needs to stop. And I don't know what the answers are, Mark. I know that you guys work tirelessly at Best Friends. And I know I do with the, and the SPCA and Dallas Dogger and the Dallas Animal Services. And I just, it's so disheartening. It's so disheartening. It definitely is. And I think it's just getting involved. You have a lot of different agencies that do cruelty work uh, around the country. And part of it, too, is, you know, how you consume your animals. And I mean that I know that sounds weird, but like just checking in on where your animals are coming from. And I get it. You see an animal, you want to rescue it. Mm -hmm. But if it's coming from a puppy mill, potentially giving, you know, money or resources to that um, system isn't helping it actually is feeding the monster so a little what people can do really and that's why getting animals from shelters is one of the key things and i want to point out too that all breeders are not puppy mills no so they're there not is a difference so it's, it's just getting some of your just do a little bit of background where these puppies come from and if it's you know rural missouri or like you said places from an amish breeder or those kind of things those are big red flags and you can read more about that we have puppy mill information on our website at best friends as does humane society of the united states aspca mm-hmm. and, and so many others yeah well you know um it's important that we're talking about it though agreed this is information that everyone needs to hear and you need to adopt not shop that's another part of this right and spay and neuter and that way we can save them all right right <laughs> yeah that's right 
Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to go for a quick break, and we're going to talk more about some other things here with Mark Peralta. He is the Chief Program Officer for Best Friends Animal Society, a leading national animal welfare organization dedicated to ending the killing and abuse of animals uh, and cats and dogs in America's shelters. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Go to bestfriends.org, and we'll, you know, stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, parakeet. <laughs> hey, everyone. I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotics. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care, her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. All right, everybody. (laughs) It's Furbulous Friday here on One Life Radio. Uh, Welcome back. This is Bernadette with Jerry and Mark Peralta. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. It's Furbulous Friday, and it's Furbulous to have Mark Peralta with us. He is the Chief Program Officer for Best Friends Animal Society, a leading national animal welfare organization dedicated to ending the killing of dogs and cats in America's shelters. Mark also uh, founded and runs Vintage Pet Rescue with his wife, Kristen, uh, rescuing senior pets from shelters and assisting owners who can no longer care for their senior pets. You can find Mark at bestfriends.org or vintagepetrescue.org. Okay, so Mark, February is National Spay and Neuter Awareness Month. We're almost there. Uh, We've talked before about how difficult it is to overcome the stigma around spaying or neutering a pet for certain demographics. So I had someone uh, just in the past few weeks tell me they didn't want their dog neutered because it would change their personality. (laughs) And um, And so... how does Best Friends work to overcome the negative perceptions around spaying and neutering your pet? You know, it's really hard. And anytime you're trying to, especially if people have fixed ideas of things. So a lot of what we try to do is, is have a conversation. Um, it does change their personality and the fact that sometimes they're not running away or right. they're calming down. Like these are not bad attributes to have for your pet. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it is it is that. But for some people that aren't in in that's connected to animal welfare, like you, Bernadette, or like me, you know, thinking about castrating that word. Oh, yeah, that's what they said. feels barbaric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? he said, you're going to castrate him? I said, no, and he'll be better off for it. I said, try not to associate your own testicles with the dog's testicles. It's yeah. a very different thing. And he looked at that's me right. shocked, you know, and I just was like, you know, a hundred and I, and I said to him, I said, listen, here's the deal, pickle. I said, <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, no pun intended. I said, you know, last <laughs> last year, in, just in the city of Dallas, okay, um, where, where, which, yeah. by the way, they do have a law. You can't own a pet store and sell um, pets in Dallas, but you can in the surrounding yeah. areas. That's why this, right. this pet chain, if you will, are in cities like Garland and Arlington and Sherman, and I don't remember what their other two locations are. But I told him, I said, a hundred, if you really love animals, you will let this sink in. 125,000 unwanted animals were put to death uh, last year, just last year alone mm-hmm. in Dal- in the city mm-hmm. of Dallas, not Dallas County, just the city of Dallas. And those numbers are from, if I'm not mistaken, from the Dallas Animal Services, as who was on the show that day that reported those numbers. Mm-hmm. When you hear that staggering amount, you have to, if you care about animals, you can't double speak or double think on that. You have to understand that we have a real problem in our hands, right? We definitely do, and it's a problem we can solve. So that's the good news. And sometimes, Bernadette, my best advice to you is it's, it's a marathon, not a 40-yard you know, 40 sprint. And it's frustrating, but sometimes mm-hmm. you have to try to just leave things and, and people just sometimes it, it takes time for people to change their minds or think yeah. about things differently. It's frustrating right. though. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And yeah. And so then that is good advice. I'm getting better, Mark. I'm getting better. <laughs> oh, I mean, like and I've been doing this a long time. So Me too. I, guess, I have um, too. You know, I've had a lot of time to do it. Yeah. I don't know why when I was younger, um, I guess I don't, I don't know why, but I mean, I've been doing this. Uh, I've been, I rescued my first animal when I was nine years old. Um, when I was a kid in upstate New York, but, uh, you know, with those freezing cold temperatures and our cat fluffy froze to death and that didn't get in the house that night. And my first dog was a beagle. So I know beagles well, and I've been doing this for a very long time, but I don't seem to have as much patience for ignorance. Like I once, like I once did. And I call it ignorance, not saying that they are stupid, uh, but ignorance in that they They don't don't know know what's really happening Mm -hmm. out there. And it's important that we get this information out so that people aren't ignorant about the facts and really understand people that maybe, uh, you know, that really truly love animals, but don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Right. Absolutely. And Bernadette, you're hosting a show talking about animal problems on One Life Radio. So you're doing a lot. Yeah. I and mean, that's huge. This is how you change things, too. Yeah. This stuff. This stuff. Yeah. Because you can't force anything. People don't listen when you try to force things. They have to almost have self-discovery and have an aha moment. Aha moment. I get that. But, you know, um, yep. you know, and to go to our next thing. So, sadly, a low-cost uh, program here in Dallas recently ended because their funding ran out. So, how do programs like this get funding or assistance, Mark? How does the government offer uh, or how much government uh, government help? How What kind of support do they offer in regard to these types of programs? You know, every city and community is different, but I will say what I see that's a common thread is not a lot. So you do have a lot of private agencies trying to pick, pick up uh, ground on trying to find adequate resources for things like spay and neuters in their communities. Some communities are better than others, but there's a lot of competition between you know, crime and, and putting money into, in, into structures like the police and putting structures into, you know, fixing roads. And, and sometimes they just feel like the animals don't, don't hit it. But mm-hmm. I do think that there's room for this and it's huge and it's important. Like 80% of, of, you know, almost 90% of Americans, you know, uh, are very, you know, are, are pro no kill. They want to see, animals not being killed in shelters and those kind of things. So this is a really important topic in any community. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Libertarian, Independent, Democrat. So 
those are the things that I think cities don't realize. And I think the problem is, is we have to do a better job as a community of communicating this need and how it helps because helping animals helps people like animals help us get us through everything that day to day stuff that we deal with. It's so important, but I don't think people see the issue that way. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the piece of paper that I had, the the data sheet I had earlier before the show about the percentages. Uh, And I wasn't surprised, but it was about, um, you know, the spay, neuter, trap, like the cats, right, where you... um, Help me out here. I don't have it in front of me. I'm closing my eyes trying to visualize it. But basically, statistically, um, uh, you know, uh, Democrats and Republicans alike and women and men, but mostly yep. women are, are, are truly for, they, I guess they did a poll and I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Maybe Marie can run it up here to well, me. I have a poll for you that I can share okay. with you that let's, goes let's into it. And this that. is about cats. We're not even talking about yeah. dogs. So let's even talk. Cats that live outside, 80% of Texans, your state, Bernadette, okay. Texans, believe in humane trap, neuter, and return, meaning that they believe that if cats live outside, we should only be altering them so they can't have babies and allow them to live outside. So that's 80% Republican, uh, women, Latino. Um, it doesn't matter. It just kind of transcends all of those demographics because people are people and people love animals. Yeah. No, they do. Um, uh, you should see this little puppy downstairs, how darling he is. And when we saw him, he, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, make assumptions because you don't do that, the four agreements, but I don't know. I even question whether or not these dogs are uh, sedated to some degree. So they, they're more sellable because they seem more docile than they really are going stir crazy in these cages for weeks and months on end, especially a, a puppy that's gotten a little older. Nobody, everybody wants the young, cute one, right? Uh, and you know that better than anybody with the vintage uh, pet rescue that, that you own. And, but there's so much value in our vintage pets. They are wonderful. And we've, you and I have talked about this many times. You share the thoughts, not me this time, about how wonderful, what the experience is like to rescue a vintage pet, Mark. Well, Bernadette, you and I probably both know uh, we've been around, you know, for a few years. And sometimes the cutest ones aren't the best ones, right. uh, be it uh, when we look for our partners or when we look for even our pets. So sometimes, you know, you find soulmates based on kind of a bond or a mix and, and you know, I've said this many times. I'm a very busy person. I work a lot. I travel a lot. So having a puppy and and having the time commitment, it's a really difficult job. It's like having a child probably. I mean, and I don't want to equate the two, but it is, you have much more attention because they're much more in need of your attention. Yes. Uh, Probably somewhat like a child. I like senior pets because they are, you know, maybe they have more medical. That's potentially true but they tend to be way less um, needy of your time. And they're so yeah. much more rewarding in regards to mm-hmm. being a part of your household. So sometimes people don't think about things like that. And you never know what's going to happen to any pet when they're going to pass, when their time is here. Some right. senior pets can live for years and years and years that we get. So um, it's just the thing that I know is that it's way easier for me um, to be and, and the, 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 the commitment and the time that I get and what I get back from senior pets is, is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. My first senior pet that I adopted was on my way back from Houston visiting my parents probably, oh gosh, almost, uh, I don't know, 16 years ago, something like that. He was a collie, like a big collie, looked like Lassie, right? And he was, except Lassie was a girl. This was a boy. <laughs> I think Lassie was a girl, right? I don't know. But uh, uh, whenever you think of uh, a collie, I, I always think of a, a big, beautiful Lassie type dog, you know. But anyway, so I brought him home and Barney lived about three or four months and oh my gosh, what a, he was a character. He was such a character. 
and but the the gift that he gave me of giving the, the pleasure of of his final years being with no harm, no 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 extreme heat, no extreme cold, no you know wanting water, wanting food, wanting love, all these things that we all need, and it was just it was very rewarding, just what very rewarding. Yeah, what a gift. Yeah, yeah. and the so, fact that you were able to do that for a living being that you know, oh, it's I, just a, it's a gift for the, for you too. Yeah, I pack every house I've ever lived in. I pack as many animals as I can within reason <laughs> without it yeah, becoming too crazy. Know, too. You know, you're the same way. And so is your wife. But, yeah. you know, before we go to break, can you tell our listeners what they can do to support uh, best friends and their local shelters as well? Yeah, I mean, get involved. Uh, you don't have to show up at the shelter if that's not for you. Um, if you're looking for adoption, please really inquire people to go to their shelter to find their pets. Go to your local shelter. See if they need volunteers. They definitely, you know, maybe be a foster parent. There's all kinds of different ways to get involved. Just get involved. Bestfriends.org is us. We have stuff everywhere. Just please, even if it's an hour every couple of weeks, just get involved. That's all we need. We need you. Yeah, I think I'm going to make some signs and say don't buy puppies and go stand down on the corner. (laughs) (laughs) When I get some spare time, uh, why not? There's people out there that feel the same way as you, so just join it because there's probably stuff happening there. Yeah, maybe they can meet me at Starbucks. We'll get a cup of coffee and then walk across the street and hold our signs up. (laughs) The good old-fashioned way, right? Speak with your feet and your wallet. (laughs) All right, Mark. (laughs) Thank you so much. Always a pleasure and uh, can't wait to talk to you again in the near future. Thank you so much and I encourage everyone to spay and neuter in February. It is National Spay and Neuter Awareness Month. Thanks again, Mark. I'll talk to you later, alligator. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Be sweet, parakeet. Okay, we'll be right back. Monica Carrado is coming up. Is the GAPS diet right for you? We're going to find out. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Miss a day? Miss a lot. Subscribe to the Defender newsletter at childrenshealthdefense.org to stay on top of the news that matters to you. And tune in every Monday for updates on the Defender's most read news of the week with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense. For the stories you don't want to miss, go to childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for the Defender newsletter today. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. All right, everyone. Happy Furbulous Friday and welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Biaschetti with Jerry Caldwell. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We have somebody extra special here with us this afternoon. Uh, her name is Monica Carrado, also known as the GAPS Chef. She is a certified nutrition coach, a certified GAPS practitioner, and the founder of 
currently being well LLC, also known as the Gap Chef. She is teaching. Uh, she is teaching chef. Uh, is a teaching uh, chef. Excuse me. Speaker, author, and consultant who has spent the last twenty years illuminating the connection between real food and vibrant health, and the last fourteen years focusing on the gut-brain connection. She has been a member of the honorary board of the Weston A. Price Foundation since its inception. Monica's latest book is the second edition of the complete cooking techniques for the GAPS diet used by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, the creator of the GAPS diet, to train certified GAPS practitioners and certified GAPS coaches. Their website is simplybeingwell.com. That's simplybeingwell.com or on Facebook, uh, Ask the GAPS Chef. That's G-A-P-S. Or on Instagram at uh, MC Simply Well Being. Monica, such an honor and a pleasure to have you with One Life Radio. Thank you for jumping on the air with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump right into this. How did you become interested in the GAPS diet? And what does GAPS stand for? Well, why don't we start with number two and then go back to number yeah. one. So GAPS yeah. <laughs> is gut, right? Gut and psychology syndrome. GAPS, mm-hmm. gut and psychology syndrome. And um, it's actually been expanded now just as of 2020 to gut and physiology syndrome. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Gut and psychology syndrome, yeah, was um, was coined first to just that gut. It's, it's about what happens um, when the connection, the relationship between the gut and your brain, right, is mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. It's all about the gut and the brain connection. So gut and psychology, and then Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride um, expanded that to gut and physiology, as I said you know, two, two and a half years ago now, because what what we found as practitioners, as we work with people is that everything is connected to gut health, Yeah, not just brain function. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that's what GAP stands for. Most of the people know GAPS as gut and psychology uh, syndrome, which was the original book uh, that was written by Dr. Natasha, the original what can we say? It was really just a, um, to me, it was just um, uh, a book about her experience of, of healing her uh-huh. autistic child with food. Yeah, and uh, treating and that's, epilepsy that's with what diet. Began. Yeah, there's so many things here, you know, um, and I remember the first time I saw this book, I was in a bookstore, I don't remember which one, but I saw, I looked yep. at the cover, and on it I saw, um, you know, uh, it's got, you know, it's it's a, it's like a, what do I call it? Like a sign, sign with post. a sign post. It's yeah. Sign and it's got post. autism, yep. ADD, uh, dyspraxia, dyslexia, ADHD, depression, and schizophrenia. But schizophrenia is what really ca- captured my attention. I was like, nah. schizophrenia? Like what? I grew up with you a brother that was it. schizophrenic. And you know, my, yeah. uh, my parents, that's the first thing they did. They, uh, they, they, they examined, you know, maybe it was a nutritional dis- deficiency. Took my brother to New York City, to all these doctors. We lived in upstate right. New York. But anyway, that's what really struck me. And this book is fascinating and we uh you know and so people don't think of that though they think schizophrenia oh you can't fix that you know you can't fix it or depression or all these things you cannot fix them you have to take a pill you have to take a pharmaceutical and so that in itself just to just to even think about that that perhaps maybe we're wrong about this and there is really a way that you can heal someone from something as severe as schizophrenia or at least improve the symptoms right um, oh, heal. Yes. Or heal. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's fascinating. So so how yes. long has, has the GAPS diet been around, Monica? 
Well, um, Gap's Diet has been around since, well, the book was written in, the first book, which is the yellow book, Gotten Psychology, was written in 2004. It was revised with another 100 pages in 2010. That's the one um, I have. And then, again, yeah, so that's the one that most people use now because the first one was quite small, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, as I said, it revised in 2010. So it's been around for, I don't know, 20, 20 years. You know, yeah. this is 23, it's about 20 years. Uh, yeah. yeah, that, that GAPS has been around. And uh, the reason that I became interested in GAPS is because I, uh, I'm a teaching chef and a holistic nutritionist, and I was looking back in the early, late 90s and early 2000s into why are our children so sick? Mm-hmm. Why is there so much autism? Why, right? Like I was just looking mm-hmm. at what was happening. That's another whole conversation. We can have another time about why that was happening. But yeah. I was looking for, um, I, I was involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation, as, as you said in the beginning, and I was on their honorary board. So I knew about real food and traditional cooking. And I thought to myself, food has got to be a piece of this, of course. So I looked into the uh, specific carbohydrate diet at the time. I looked into the body ecology diet, BED. So we've got the SCD, the BED. I looked into the GFCF, which was really big back then. You We're know, all just, adults just, here. You don't have to spell. Your, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, take, no, but right, like there's all these acronyms, alphabet soup, right? So, right, right. So, um, right. So let, let's just take your kids off gluten and, and casein, and that'll, that'll clear everything. And I thought, mm, this is. This is not this is not it. So I was looking, I was searching, and I was doing some analysis, some comparative analysis between the diets. What do they have? What do they not have? What do they address? How do they cook? All these sorts of things. And I heard, I saw, I found the the GAPS diet, and uh, I read the book, and I was like, wow, this thing has everything that the other ones don't have. Mm-hmm. And I can go into that in a minute, what I mean by that. Uh, but I also was really, really lucky and blessed to go see Dr. Natasha when she came and spoke for the first time in the U.S. at the Weston A. Price Foundation. And I saw her and I was like, ah, I was in the back of the room, 300, 350 people crying. No joke. Just going, this is the answer to so many things. Yeah, it is. You know what? I had that same experience. I was supposed to be at that event and I couldn't make it. Ah. Um, But but I had that same experience when I heard Dr. Thomas Cowan speak at a Weston A. Price. Oh, my friend. uh, Yes. And I was, I was, I, he even, I'm sure he thought I was like a weirdo because I was so excited that he was talking about stuff that no one had the guts to talk about. No pun intended that I was like, I felt like a groupie afterwards. Like I, like I was some googly eyed, you know, like, like he was a rock star and I was a groupie. Well, he is a rock star. (laughs) He is. He's a rock star. I've known known Tom for a long time, 20, (laughs) 21, 23 years. I just got to see him at the Weston Price thing in, uh. Yeah, Knoxville I want in October. I know. He's still. I wanted still to go. Like groupies, yeah. Awesome. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, yeah. I I was supposed to be there, like I said, and I couldn't make it. It was. Uh, I I just it it I I'm still upset about it a little bit because I really yes. wanted to meet Natasha. I did and shake her hand and thank her for all of her wonderful work and research and science yes. that she's done and putting it into a book so that so many people yes. can uh, you know benefit from her knowledge. But uh, you know, yes. uh, so what are the main components of the Gaps diet for everyone out there listening that you know wants to hear what the components are sure sure yep so so um as you know i teach for dr natasha i train her um 
for practitioners and coaches, anyone who wants to learn GAPS and then go out and actually work with people uh, with GAPS. And so um, one of the things I like to do is take lots of information and make it easy for people, right? I mean, some people don't want to look at I mean, the first book is only, you know, two or three hundred, no, 200 pages, 300 pages. The next book is 600 pages, right? So mm-hmm, people are like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, what is GAPS? How do I do this? So I came up with something called the four pillars. This is my term. It just means there's four fundamental things you have to do okay. if you're doing GAPS. And I think it makes it easy. Um, the first one is to stop injury. I'm just going to list them and then we could talk about them if you want to go from there. So one is stop injury. So we have to stop the injury to the gut because the gut is, you know, why is the gut, why do we have these problems? Because the gut is quote unquote leaky. People hate that term, but but it's really, uh, it's got, I know, but it's got, let's just say it's (laughs) intestinal permeability. That's what we're, that's what leaky gut is. It's just too big. So we stop injury to the gut lining. We add in foods that heal. That's the second pillar. The third pillar is to starve pathogens, starve pathogens. And the fourth is to rebuild gut flora. And so you're probably like, yeah, well, great. What does all that mean? What that means is we're going to take, right? Well, maybe your listeners are going, all right, Monica, whatever. Well, no, I'm... um, yeah, clearly yeah. I'm I'm familiar with it, but 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 they aren't. Pe- a lot of people aren't, and so yeah. let's. Sh- so you you started with stopping injury that like leaky gut. So can yeah. uh, you know what I'm right. looking? At, I'm looking at the clock. We need to go to break. When we come back, we're going to start with this, and we're going to yeah. go over the four the four pillars, if you will, of the gaps diet. Fabulous. I can't wait. I can't. I already can't wait to have you on again. This is such important knowledge okay. for everyone to hear. Great. But, uh, but we'll get to as much as we can today, and uh, everyone, yep. stay tuned. We will be right back with Monica Carrado. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. We've all heard the mantra that vaccines are safe and effective, but is it really true? Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth is an in-depth review and analysis of the science on vaccine safety. By the time you finish reading, not only will you see the answer clearly for yourself, you will also have the scientific references and quotes at your disposal that prove it. More than 1,200 of them. From mainstream scientific papers and textbooks to official government publications and vaccine manufacturers' documents. Whether you are new to the vaccine debate or a veteran seeking a deeper grasp of the science, Turtles All the Way Down Vaccine Science and Myth is a must-read. Now available on Amazon. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Monica Carrado. We are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC. News talk we're talking about uh, is the GAPS diet right for you with Monica Carrado, also known as the GAPS chef. She is a certified nutrition coach, a certified GAPS practitioner, and the founder of Simply Being Well, LLC, also known as the Gap Chef. Uh, Monica's latest book is the second edition of the complete cooking techniques for the Gap's diet used by Dr. Natasha uh, Campbell McBride, the creator of the Gap's diet, to train certified Gap's practitioners and certified Gap's coaches. You can find uh, Monica at their website, simplybeingwell.com, or on Facebook, ask, ask the Gap's Chef, that's G A P S, or on Instagram at MC Simply Wellbeing. Okay, so uh, right Simply before the break. Well. 
Sim- oh, simply being well. Thank you for correct for that correction. Yep. Okay, so yep. right be- right before the uh, break, we were talking about the four pillars of of the GAPS diet. What the fundamentally what they are. The first one, well, there's four of them. So the first one was stop injury, leaky gut. Let's elaborate on that just for a minute or two, if you would, please. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is stop injury. What does that mean? So we eat from the top down, right? Everybody eats from their mouth down, right? So we need mm-hmm. to think about. We want to make sure that we're not putting any foods in our mouth that are going to act like sandpaper on an open wound. Mm. I mean, I know that's a graphic, but right? I mean, just yeah. to get the point across. So that means no grains. I know. Yeah. No grains, no processed <laughs> food. I know. Yeah. No, no grains, no processed foods for lots of reasons. Uh, we can go into that another time. No starches or starchy vegetables like potatoes and sweet potatoes. Um, no fibrous vegetables, fibrous should ring a bell. No, of course, GMOs, glyphosate, herbicides, fungicides, pesticides, no soy. So a lot of that has to do with the size of the molecule and how it will continue to rip through the, uh, the gut lining, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the actual, so that's the stop injury piece. Stop injury. Okay, and second yep. is add foods that heal. So what are some of the wonderful foods That's that heal? right. Well, the number one <laughs> is meat stock, meat stock, meat stock. Did I say meat stock? I yes. Did. Okay. The reason I say that is because a lot of people say bone broth, and I say no, no, no. In the GAPS diet, we do meat stock, which is a short-cooked stock made from meaty bones. That means bones uh, that have a lot of meat on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and joints, uh, et cetera. And uh, it's cooked for a short amount of time. It's a little bit of water. So it's a very different thing than bone broth. Uh-huh. A lot of people come to uh, gut healing with the idea that they need to drink a lot of bone broth, and it's just not, just mm-hmm. not true. It's actually mm-hmm. can be quite problematic and, um, and trigger nervous system symptoms um, if you're prone to them. Remember, this is gut and psychology, so a lot of people have nervous system symptoms. And Anyway, so it's meat stock is number one. That's why I started writing my book, because everybody was doing bone broth, and I went, stop the presses. So meat stock first, healthy fats, lots of fat, animal fats. Okay. We are not talking canola here. No soy, no canola. Yeah, canola uh, oil so bad. Dairy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I know. Yeah. Um, cultured dairy. Homemade cultured dairy, that means Mm -hmm. homemade yogurt and Mm -hmm. kefir and sour cream and things like that, preferably from raw, raw cow or goat dairy, if you can Mm -hmm. get it where you are, and lots of lacto-ferments. Those Mm -hmm. are our healing foods. Okay. Well, the meat stock is the healer and sealer, if you will. I call it the healer and sealer. Yeah. Okay, and then okay. Uh, pillar pillar number three is to starve pathogens. I don't want to run out of time because yes. we can elaborate no, after we get go. the four out. Okay, so yeah, how yeah. do you starve so pathogens? Three. Sure, well, pathogens love sugar. So oh, yeah. that's it. Stop eating sugar. So no sugar of any kind, no white sugar. You know, you just name it. No starches from starchy vegetables. Um, no fillers like pectin, xanthan gum, that kind of thing. But What about honey? The only... Honey is fine because it's a monosaccharide. That's the only thing okay. that's allowed. Uh, we prefer that it not be heated, and I can talk about that later too, mm-hmm. but no sugar. So nope. that's why we also take out grains, right? No grains. Yeah. Grains are also sugar. What about black sta- yeah. blackstrap molasses? Nope. Nope. Okay. So we got honey. Nope. At least we got that. We got honey. <laughs> that's okay. right. You got honey and fruit, okay. sister. That's okay. all you got. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, and then the, and then the, the fourth one. So Twinkies are out, is what you're saying. <laughs> no twi- Oh, my God. Let's not even get into Twinkies. Okay. And pizza. Pizza's yeah, out. Filler. <laughs> pizza's out. Pasta's out. Bagels are out. Muffins what if you make, are out. Okay, what if, you make, what if you make pizza with a cauliflower crust? Um, that's we fine. can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> we can talk about it. We can talk about That would be full okay. gaps. So we'd talk about when you could do that. Yeah. Okay. So And then the fourth pillar. Right? Yes. Yes. Are you ready for four? Four, yep. Fourth pillar is rebuild gut flora. So we have to get a robust gut flora going on here. And we do that with the lacto-fermented beverages. So fermented beverages, we're not talking about beer and wine, folks. So oh. <clears throat> we're talking about kvass <laughs> and kombucha. We're talking about tonics and vegetables like sauerkraut and vegetable medley and things like that and cultured dairy. So that's, mm-hmm. those are those live foods. That's the fourth pillar. You have to have those. A lot of people come to GAPS and say, oh, I can't do dairy. And we say, oh, really? Unless it's anaphylaxis, which we can talk about another time. If it's really mm-hmm. just, yeah, I don't feel good on dairy. I'm sensitive to dairy. GAPS yeah. heals the reason why you can't do dairy. So everybody does dairy on GAPS. That's interesting. You know, uh, I'm kind of like a vegetarian vegan most of my life. There was short little periods in my life where I have eaten meat. But for me, it's like an animal thing. It's not a diet thing. I'm so passionate about my work that I've done for decades with animals. And so, you know, it's it's difficult for me to um, get over that. And so, you know, I, I... and I, and I will, on a pizza, eat a piece of, you know, organic mozzarella cheese or whatever, you know. And so, I don't know. For some people, it's just difficult. And I think, so let's go back to the grain. No grain. So that doesn't include rice, though. I've been eating a lot of rice lately. And, no rice. Um, oh, no, no rice. rice. Okay. Well, forget. Okay, no so grain. what can I eat? The grain. Is, uh, <laughs> what can no, you joking. eat? Well, yes. you know, Rocks, I have to tell you. Dirt. I was, I was a, what? Dirt? Yeah, no. Yeah, have some dirt. It's actually good for you, depending on where it's from. Um that was a joke. But uh, I was a vegetarian, too. I'd be happy to talk about that at some point uh, for the okay. same reasons. Okay. I just want to make the, the point that Dr. Natasha says over and over again, which is animal foods are builders. Plant yeah. foods are cleansers. Okay. Animal foods are builders. Plant foods are cleansers. And your body is constantly well, rebuilding itself. I do have to say, so someone uh, in my someone that I know nearly died last year from uh, iron deficiency. Okay, um, mm. and um, like extreme iron deficiency. It was a younger person, and uh, and that kind of woke me up a little bit. Like you know, you gotta open your eyes a little, or not open your eyes. And I, and I do have an open eyes and open mind, almost too open. But you know, it is. Some people have to eat meat, you know, they can't go without it for long mm-hmm. periods of time or at least supplement it with things like uh, Enviromedica beef liver, you know, they're, they're a sponsor of the show. I actually met them, met them at the Weston A. Price. Jared Ramirez is a regular on the show, but they have bone, mm-hmm. uh, they have the, in the capsules, you know, and from time yes. to time I've taken them to, when I feel like I need maybe some more natural yep. iron or something in super my diet food. to supplement. Yeah. Like a yep. superfood, if you will. Yeah. Yep. Yep, and so, yep. and I know that, that Sally Fallon Morrell, who is the founder of the Weston A. Price Foundation, is a huge believer yep. in, in beef liver, right? And yep, I remember my mom eating beef and onions, which I'm uh, liver course. and onions, right? She was healthy. Yes. She was very healthy. Yes. But, you know, today's well, beef, yeah. but today's beef is not like old school beef. You know, it's very different. And it's, well, you have some to, of it is. Well, some of it. find it. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to say. Find you find grass, grass fed, right? Grass, grass finished. Fed, grass finished. Yeah, yeah. And so yep, um, you have to find it. 
what, what you know, uh, uh, are there always symptoms with an unhealthy gut, uh, Monica? Uh, so no. Sometimes they're a lot. Sometimes they are very, very um, um, obscure. They're so slight that you don't that you mm-hmm. don't act obscure, slight that you don't actually put it together. Um, but but so what we found is that of course we know that gut and brain health, like brain function, are totally connected because you've got more brain oh. in your you know, right. They say your gut yes. is your second brain anyway. It maybe it's even your first brain at this yeah. point. Yeah. So. You know, we know that though any problem, any issues you're having with brain function, as you said, depression even, right? Mm-hmm, Schizophrenia, mm-hmm. autism, yeah. all those things. But now we know that gut is totally connected to so many other things. Mm-hmm. Hormone issues. Right. Whoa, really? Fatigue, arthritis, all your autoimmune issues, mm-hmm. allergies of any kind. So, and, you know, diabetes, and you just... You name it. We've got an A to Z in the gut and physiology syndrome mm-hmm. book now of all the different things that can be, all the different conditions, if you will, that uh, that that can be traced to gut health. Yeah. Addictions, well, and- allergies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And gosh, I can't wait to have you back on because there's a lot of wonderful that you can eat. I know it, it sounds limiting at first. People are like, oh, my God, I can't give up my pizza or whatever it may be that or my toast in the morning, um, which is. Yeah, we're going to talk about it because I've got to I've got to wrap this up. Monica, thank you so much for jumping yeah. on the air with us today. It's been a pleasure. I love your thank sense you. of humor. <laughs> thank right. you. You're thank you welcome. So much. I look forward to it. Me too. Me too. All right, everybody. You've got the weekend ahead of you. Have some fun. It's important because you get one body, you get one mind, and you only get one life. Unless you're a cat. Then you get nine. <laughs> <laughs> only get one life.